for for you to know, I don't I don't know if I want to include this in the podcast, but Kangaroo Island is a real place. Is it really? It's it's off the coast of Southern Australia. Yeah, that's really cool. It has kangaroos on it. I would hope so. Unless it was ironically named. (laughs) Hey, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Avatar, the podcast. I get very the podcast, the podcast. I get very like I have that like tone now. I can't say it normally. Avatar, the (laughs) podcast. The podcast. Uh, I'm Booster Greg, and to my virtual left is Acorn Bandit. Hello, I'm Acorn Bandit. Hello. This week, we will be discussing book one, chapter five, The King of Omashu. Or as we like to call it, Boomy, you hardly even know me. Oh, I love that. Laugh track. Before we get started into the content of the episode. Uh, there's a co- couple things that we wanted to shout out real quick. Yeah, we just want to thank everyone for engaging with us on Twitter and YouTube, hearing from you and hearing how excited you are about the show and your thoughts about each episode has been so great. So please keep that up. Yeah, and we are. So we have been recording these episodes a little bit into the future uh, just because we're so excited. We like I it takes all of my self-control right now to not just watch the next episode and then get all of my like facts mixed up. So we're going one Same. at a time, week by week. Um, so when you're listening to this, the podcast just went live with the first episode. So it's a very, very exciting time. And I just want to like echo what Acorn said and just say that we super appreciate all of the kind words, all of the support, uh, literally everything, even just like clicking the like button on a tweet which you may or may not get one of my like gif tweets. We'll see if that happens. Um, but like, it's all just super appreciated and it really does mean a lot to us. This is a community experience. So hearing from you, the community just makes it that much more special. Yes, absolutely. I know Acorn, there was, there was a, a mention or two that really kind of resonated that we want to just kind of like, you know, point out and say thank you to. Yeah, special thanks to Rosie Games for letting us know that she listened to the trailer of the episode and she can't wait to listen to more. What? Is she listening to the right show? No, I'm just kidding. That's (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's also one from Feline Films who said, if you're rewatching Avatar, The Last Airbender, you should definitely check out Avatar, the podcast. I've only listened to a very little bit of it, but it's definitely something I'm going to follow to the end. Feline Films, thank you so much. And we, we hope you stick around for many, 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 many. How many many? do I have to say? 63 for this About one? About 63, 63, yeah. <laughs> 63 many's. More episodes. Awesome. And also for those of you who are unaware of this, our YouTube page is up and running right now. So remember, if you want to see just... A little something visually while you're listening to this experience, or maybe you just enjoy watching or listening to podcasts on YouTube. We are on there. You can find us. Absolutely. And with that, episode five, The King of Omashu. This episode, I just wanted to mention this real quick, was written by John O'Brien and directed by Anthony Loy. Uh, And I did notice there are a couple different animation studios that work on Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, So this one specifically was done by DR Movie Company Limited. So let's, let's just dive right in. The gang arrive in the Earth Kingdom at the city of Omashu. Aang reveals that he used to come here all the time to visit his friend Boomy. 
Sokka and Katara are awestruck by the large city, noting how they do not have any cities like Umashu back home. And Sokka even comments, they have buildings here that don't melt. It's like a big novelty for him. It's it's great. That made me laugh out loud. It made me too. Like I was I had I was drinking like coffee and I almost like spit it out of my nose, which is like for hot coffee, not a great experience. But no <laughs> lesson learned. Don't drink anything hot while watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Aang wants to get to the city as soon as possible. But Katara warns him it could be dangerous if people find out that he is the Avatar. Sokka agrees with his sister and suggests a disguise, to which Aang jokingly asks, What am I supposed to do? Grow a mustache? Using some of Appa's shed fur, Aang puts on a makeshift wig and fake mustache. Aang complains that the fur is super itchy and asks how Appa can live in this stuff, to which Appa snorts in Aang's face. Just as like a little airbend gusts through his nose. It was, it was yeah. great. There's no, there's no like boogers in this one. Appa's gotten cleared out. You know, it's, it's arid. Uh, there's nothing like kind of gunked up in there. <laughs> it's not like he's, he's been sleeping in an ice ball for a hundred years. Exactly. <laughs> Ew. That just made that much more gross. Oh gosh. It's <laughs> a hundred year old snot that got on Sokka. Oh, okay. Anyways, sorry. Sokka comments that Aang now looks like their grandfather which prompts Aang to use his staff as a walking stick and adopts an old man persona. He's way too good at this. It's like he's been preparing his entire life for this one moment. And actually, if you think about it, I feel like little kids are probably the best at exaggerating the features of older people. Yeah, yeah. So it was completely in character. I loved it. And he was so, so good at it. I also wonder if it's a little bit of of a release for him, as we'll find a little bit later. Aang tells his friends that Omashu is one of the friendliest places in the world. However, as they approach the city, they witness guards at the city wall giving a cabbage merchant trouble for trying to bring rotten cabbages, quote unquote, beyond the city walls. The guards then earthbend this cabbage filled cart into the valley below. And then we have our first ever sighting, whatever you want to call it, of the cabbage merchant. Our first cabbage tragedy. Cabbage. Cabbage patch tragedy. (laughs) The merchant yells, no, my cabbages, which is something that we will come to know him by almost like a tagline. Aang instructs his friends to keep smiling as they approach the very same guards. The guards stop the gang and demand that the group state their business. Old man Aang yells, my business is my business, young man, and none of yours. (laughs) and threatens to spank the guard over his knee. This is where I think it's the release because he's not just an old man. He is the grumpiest of old men. Yeah. And I feel like he gets up in that soldier's face. Yeah. He was not like where you would think someone trying to hide. I think kind of more like Sokka and Katara were doing where the guy, let's just be chill. Let's just go through. And Aang's like, no, I'm an angry old man. And he just goes for it. (laughs) I absolutely loved it. Me too. The guard instructs Aang to settle down and asks for his name. Without missing a beat, Aang introduces himself as Bonzu Pippin Paddle Opsy Copalopagus. No, I said that wrong. It's too long. <laughs> Bonzu Pippin Paddle Op. I can't even. I can't. I even like just behind the scenes for everyone. I even like spaced it out, and it's so ridiculous. Pippin Paddle Opsy Copalus the third. There we go. Yay! Hey, I did it. 
and introduces Katara and Sokka as his grandchildren. Katara assumes the name for this time as June. Oh, here we go again. Pippin Padalopsicopolis. Just normal. And she nailed it, too. This was like With, yeah. two seconds later. And she's like, hi, I'm June. But I'm not going so not to work here anymore. That guy. And I, I would have blown this right out of the water, as you hear with my five million attempts. The guard takes a moment to think about the absurd older man standing in front of him, uh, but then turns to June, so Katara, and instructs her to keep her grandfather out of trouble while they're in the city. Before they can enter the city of Omashu, the guard stops Sokka and yells at him for being disrespectful to his grandfather by not carrying Aang's bag. Jumping at the chance to give his friend a hard time, Bonzu yells, Good idea! And tosses the bag at Sokka's head. <laughs> we have this uh we have this nervous moment where we're thinking, oh gosh, they're gonna get busted. But yep. no. No. Show some respect, young man. <laughs> you and he puts his hand right on his shoulder. And they're like, oh no. Yep. It's so good. Before we go into the city, actually, I want to note, you know, we came from the Southern Air Temple, and the city is built in a very similar way to the air temples, being uh carved out of the top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. Um I read somewhere that uh, it's kind of reminiscent of the pyramids at Giza in our world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how how intentional that was, but uh, when you look up some pictures of the pyramids at Giza, it's very similar, like a a clump of pyramids together um, kind of sitting out in this expanse of desert. Um, Omashu was also the second largest city in the Earth Kingdom and was one of the last great strongholds of the Earth Kingdom during the Hundred Year War. Uh, found this interesting. The city's prime trade resource is making weapons for the Earth Kingdom to use against the Fire Nation. Makes sense. Based on what we've seen with the mail yeah, system. Makes sense. Yeah. Also, what else would you make in a reinforced stronghold in the middle of a mountain range, right? Fair. Yeah. As they approach the wall, it is opened only by using earthbending. So essentially you have this like great reinforced kind of city and there's no doors. You don't really realize it until they literally make a door using earthbending out of the wall. It's just sheer cliffs. Yeah. Otherwise, which is like you're not really thinking about earthbending at this point. We've only really seen fire and water and air. Yeah, this is our first exposure to earthbending. And so far, while everyone's using their powers, it's really cool and flashy. There's no like real practicality behind it, right? So like you think about an earthbender, why do they need a door if their entire house or entire city, whatever, is made out of earth, made out of stone, whatever? Yeah. It makes super sense. Yeah. The only other practical application we've seen so far of bending is the air sanctuary and how the door is opened by air bending into that like nautilus shell looking yes, thing. Yes, but like even that, it was more, um, it's practical, yes. But it was for me, I think I saw it as more like flashy and more like Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of like, <laughs> you know, this ancient yeah. door and it has all these secrets behind it uh, where this is just like, yeah, whatever, make a door, no problem. That's The day to day. Yeah, that that's I think right. the minutia of it all. That, yeah, that was kind of caught me off guard for a minute. The gang enters the city, and right as the door starts to close, Momo's ears peek out of Aang's wig, which the guard notices, but can't quite react fast enough before the door is closed and, well, before the door disappears into the wall, I guess I'll say. Yeah, before the door becomes the wall again. That's a good way to put it. Before the door becomes (laughs) the wall. 
That's like that should be like the name of like a rock album or something before the door becomes the door becomes the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Ang shows them the Omashu delivery system, which consists of miles and miles of tubes and chutes that send packages throughout the city via a combination of earthbending and gravity. Sokka seems less than impressed based on the result of just them getting their mail on time. But Aang can only smile as he tells them that his friend Bumi found a better use for these shoots 100 years ago. So this is the part I, I love this part. And this is something I'm going to tell you what kind of happens. And I want to tell you something I noticed after my watch through. Ooh, can't wait. So 100 years ago, he and Bumi, so Aang and Bumi, would slide down the Omashu delivery system just for fun, just for kicks. Uh, we see this in a flashback uh, that was set well before Aang was frozen. Uh, we also see Bumi kind of teaching Aang the lesson that something can be more than it actually appears to be. So the mail delivery system can actually be a lot of fun, and so it can be more than its uh, initial design, so to speak. So he says in his words, a mail delivery system can be, quote-unquote, the biggest super slide and Ang calls Bumi a mad genius as the two of them slide down the mail delivery system, laughing and snorting the entire time. There's also a music clip that plays. It's very like uh, carnivaly that plays when yeah, we yeah. first meet Bumi in this flashback. Yeah, it's like almost chimey. Yes, exactly. Now, everyone's already watched the episode, so everyone already knows that we're going to meet a character who's the king of Omashu, the the title of it is the king of amashu and when we see the king start to be goofy or start to be a quote-unquote mad genius because we know the king is boomy yeah it plays that same music before the reveal that's true it plays it multiple times like really accentuating the fact that either this guy thinks the same way as ang's young friend or he is ang's young friend yeah so i think what they do when you first watch it it's just like oh this is a silly song that they play when someone's being silly and over the top. Yeah. But as you go through, it only happens when the king is being silly and over the top. Yep. And it's not when you first meet him. It's only when. So, like, I think if you when you first meet him and he played it, it would be like way to hit you in the face. Yeah. But it's like as soon as he starts making his jokes and stuff like that, it really starts to play. And I didn't notice that until my last watch through It's a very subtle foreshadowing that they did. But it, in hindsight, not subtle at all so does that mean we should call the theme the mad genius theme yes that's what we're doing mad genius theme (laughs) i like it ang promises that they will continue on their quest and go to the north pole after only one ride on the mail delivery system or as i guess we're going to call it now the world's biggest super slide doing so ends up being way more dangerous than previously expected as the gang almost gets impaled by spears being delivered on the chute Aang manages to derail them from the chute and their bin scrapes across the rooftops of several homes, interrupts guard training and knocking over other deliveries, probably causing some sort of blockage in the system, I would assume, based on the mayhem that they caused. Katara suggests that Aang use airbending to stop or at least slow down this wild ride. But Aang interprets the plea as a suggestion to go faster. Of course he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She was like, she, all she said was, "Maybe use airbending." He was like, "Great, yeah, that can make us go faster." And it was just like, "Oh man, someone's heart's gonna give out on that on that cart." I was starting to get anxiety watching them go even <laughs> faster down the chute. I'm like, "No, no, 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 careful!" Yeah, and um, 
I think Sokka is only screaming in the back at this point. He's he just yeah. can't contain himself. The wild ride ends after crashing into the very same cabbage merchant's cart, destroying the cart and the vast majority of his produce. The merchant angrily exclaims, my cabbages, you're going to pay for this. I got to say, yeah, that whole like adventure down the slide out of all of it, my favorite part and probably one of my favorite parts of this episode is when their little cart lands on the ground and it freezes mm-hmm. and it goes ding. And it just shows Aang flying out of the cart, Katara getting kicked in the face, Sokka flailing with his tongue out. <laughs> and this, right after the soldier's like, men, you're going off to combat soon. It's important to be prepared for anything. Like no one was prepared for any of it. Everyone is thrown off guard. Yeah, yeah. The gang is surrounded by guards and are arrested on the spot and are immediately brought in front of the king of Amashu for judgment. The guard announces that the group are being arrested for vandalism, traveling under false pretenses, and malicious destruction of cabbages. That's the malicious destruction <laughs> of cabbages cracked me up. I feel like the cabbage merchant was just so vocal that they just had to put that into like their, yes, their sentence yes. because we saw the guards not care about the cabbages before, like right outside the city. Yeah. I feel like they're just like, whatever, we'll just shut this guy up real quick. The king, an aged old man, looks for a while at Aang and, instead of punishment, orders that they shall be thrown a feast to literally everyone's surprise. Yeah, I have something about this. Yes. I did some research. I uh, went wiki diving. And when the guard says only the king can pass down judgment, um, it turns out that while the Earth Kingdom is ultimately ruled by an Earth monarch in the Earth Kingdom's capital, the king of Amashu is not influenced by that person's actions. So um, he is absolutely in control over the city, its affairs, um, the city's military and the city's legal codes, which means he alone deals with criminals and decides what their punishment will be, which is why they brought the gang in front of him and they're like, what are we to do, sir? And he's like, throw them a feast. And everyone's like, oh, are you kidding me? But they can't do anything because he's the the final power. He's the boss. Yeah, you can't you can't go against him, which I think is actually very interesting that. There isn't a mutiny like this crazy old man yeah. king who's doing. I would assume he, he does these eccentric things all the time. Oh, I would think so. So they're probably just like or maybe they're thinking like, well, this isn't the worst thing that's happened. Yeah, you would think that eventually the city would get tired of this eccentric king. But I mean, at the same time, near the end, we see uh, how powerful he is so maybe they're ultimately afraid i don't know yes yeah we definitely have like a master roshi situation going on here yeah during the feast the king who is revealed to be a little eccentric maybe i'm kind of downplaying it by saying a little uh, but the king tries to make ang eat some chicken to which ang declines because he's a vegetarian i had to look into this because i was like is he vegan or vegetarian he's definitely vegetarian Okay. They, yeah, I said in the first episode that he was vegan. Yeah. Um, probably over assuming with him being a monk, but yeah, definitely vegetarian. Well, also we have to uh, imagine or imagine we have to take into consideration that it's what two thousand five when when yeah, this true. episode aired. So at that point, I don't think there is much culturally here of a distinction between vegans and vegetarians. Or maybe they're just yeah. like you know what if you're one you're kind of the other so whatever who cares like this is the more um prominent one or the more 
I don't want to say prominent or accepting, but I feel like people at that this point knew more about vegetarians than vegans. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I think people had more awareness around vegetarianism yeah. than veganism back then, because even in like the last, I don't know, five, 10 years, um, even the foods available for vegetarians and vegans has increased exponentially. Yeah. You have all these options now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think maybe they did want to make him be a vegan, but they just said vegetarian because one thing or the other. But he's vegetarian, according to, to lore. That took, according to canon. According to canon. That took me about like 15 minutes to <laughs> properly because I, I wanted like five sources that all agreed with each yeah. other. And it, it, it happened. <laughs> the king then asks Aang where he hails from. In order to protect his identity, he tells the king that he is from Kangaroo Island. To which the king exclaims that he's heard of that place and has also heard that it's really hopping. <laughs> the cough in the background <laughs> at this part slays me. There's, oh my gosh. Like one of this poor guard in the background is just like subjected to all of his jokes. And he's just like <laughs> and into complete silence. And then Sokka yells. So it goes joke, cough, silence. Laugh. So it's like this really delayed yes. laugh. And Sokka's just like, what? It was funny. Great Sokka would find it funny. That's yeah, his kind of joke. Yeah. So something about the chicken. Um, we know that this king is Boomy at this point because mm. we've all seen the episode and we're talking about it now. Mm. So when he was a kid, Boomy thought outside the box a lot and came up with these uh, crazy solutions or alternative solutions for things. So I love that at this feast, we get another example of his solution for the people of Amashu getting fat from too many feasts. Yes. It's not cut down on the feast. No, no it's serve skinless chicken at the <laughs> feast. It's, I didn't <laughs> even pick this up. That's super genius. So they think they're eating the same amount of food, but they're actually consuming less calories. And also the skin of the chicken is said, while the most delicious, as I yes. know, is also the worst for you, as my wife tells me consistently. So he's like, all right, we'll take away the thing that's worse for them. And also less calories. That should help. Wow. Yeah, that's the solution. Not cut down on feasts or cut back on feasts. It's let's just like modify the menu a little bit. But that's like really smart. Because like. I guess. No, because like if so if if you're eating something and I'm like, you can't eat that anymore or you have to eat less of that. You're probably going to tell me, no, screw you. Like, I don't want I'm going to eat what I want. But by maybe he only offers skinless chicken. Yeah. So by that way, he's like, yeah, take as much as you want. Whatever. And some people will be none the wiser. Yeah. You know what? You're you're basically speaking to that corner of Pinterest that's dedicated to like four ingredient chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> three ingredient pancakes healthy for you. Like that's that's essentially boomy. He's yeah. like a Pinterest guy off on the side offering these like unique DIY solutions. I feel like I relate to boomy too much now. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you relate to his headdress, too? Those oh, man. crazy feathers. Oh, man. I don't know if I, if I would ever rock those, but his train of thought is <laughs> just is sound to me. I don't know. Am I alone? Let us know in the comments. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did read actually about that headdress. Um, I think they got inspiration from uh, a legendary Chinese general, Lu Bu, who most recently I. Um, most recently, I've I first heard about him. In uh, an Overwatch event, actually, for the Chinese New Year. Oh, yeah. But Lu Bu also had two giant pheasant feathers in his headdress. And it was um, apparently common for high-ranking ancient Chinese official 
officers and generals to wear that kind of stuff. So I thought that was cool. You see those nods everywhere throughout the Avatar world, kind of um, things based in real life fashion or real life culture. Love that. Yeah. Speaking of things kind of based off of real world, uh, earthbending itself. I did some research. Yeah. I actually was like, what is this based off of? I want to know. Uh, is based off of the Hungar system yes. of uh, martial arts. So it's a mix of tiger and crane animal styles. Um, it generally uses deep, low stances, like uh, a horse stance or strong hand technique. Uh, Hungar is one of the more external styles uh, and also practices some uh, more internal movement. So it has an emphasis more on um, having firm, solid stances uh, the more connected to the earth one is, the more power power they will have is the kind of general thought of it. Uh, hung yeah. is the family name, which also means to stand firm and tall with integrity. Toph is the exception. Yes. I I can't wait till we get I to Toph because there, oh, there are so many parallels <laughs> here. There is so much to talk about yes. with Boomy and Toph yes. because reasons. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that. Mm-hmm. Boomy also really quickly means earth in Malay, Indonesian, Tamil, and several other Indian languages. Yeah, I found that too. It was in several Indo-Iranian and Dravidian languages apparently. Hmm. That Bumi means earth or land, derived from Sanskrit. Um, but what's super fascinating is later in the series, when uh, Bumi comes back in, his name is apparently on a letter and they had to transliterate it into Chinese characters, which means it sounds the same, but the meaning changes. And it changes apparently to Chinese characters that means to spread rice. <laughs> of all things, right? <laughs> That's, but it still fits so perfectly with his character. It's just like, it means this random thing, like, yeah, to spread exactly. rice. I love it. That was so gratifying. Um, Greg had to, like, Greg had to, like, lean away from his camera. He was laughing so hard. I, I couldn't. I didn't want to, like, just barrel laugh, even though I have compressors on into the microphone. <laughs> but that was a hearty laugh. Okay. So, moving on uh, with the story. The the king then acts like he's going to go to bed. He makes this whole big production. He's, he's stretching. He goes, oh, well, I'm so tired. I'm so old. Got to hit that long and dusty trail and all that. And then quickly, like just as quick as you can blink, throws a chicken drumstick at Aang, uh, which causes Aang to catch it using airbending out of reflex, which is very much like a small child to me. So like when it, when I was a kid, anyways, I didn't like this is a very specific weird thing about me. I didn't like having milk touch my hand because it made a weird smell afterwards. Really? So I would always like hold like a glass of milk like out a little bit. Like I would drink it. But if it got in my hand, I was like, forget it. This is the most disgusting thing ever. So if I could avoid that by any means necessary, I would 100 percent like if someone threw milk in my face. I would, if I was an airbender, I would use airbending to like stop it. Oh my gosh, I see what you're saying. So yeah. Ang didn't touch the chicken. He, right. a vegetarian who's like anti meat, exactly. caught it in with his airbending. So he wasn't actually touching it. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Which is also super brilliant on Boomy's part because he knows it's Ang. He asked a very guided series of questions up until this point. And if you watch it, he's being very strategic with what he's asking, like where he's from throwing the chicken in his face, kind of all this stuff. And yep. he's like, all right, this is Aang. Because at this point, he doesn't know if it's Aang, a relative. Maybe someone just kind of looks like his friend from 100 years ago. So he's, Yeah, because it's been like 100 years. Yeah. I mean, he's old. Yeah, Memories change. Yeah, so he's testing the waters because it's unbelievable. Your childhood friend came back after 100 years and looks no different than the day you last saw him. So yeah. that's all very like, almost like drunken master of him. It's almost like Uncle Iroh levels that we're getting to. Oh, incredibly. With, with this. We, mm, yes. Which is appropriate yes. for, again, reasons. Yes. <laughs> the fact that Aang 
is Aang in the Airbender and the Avatar does not surprise uh, Boomy in the least because of all the stuff we just talked about earlier, all the guided questions and all of that. Aang and the others try to leave but are detained by the guards. Katara, ex- I love this. Uh, yeah. Just Katara exclaimed, doing my Avatar thing, came from the world safe, everything checks out, no firebenders <laughs> here, so good job, everybody. He looks under anyway, the see table. You next time. He literally pulls up the tablecloth from the table yeah. and goes, Oh, no, no airbenders or no, no firebenders there. This is all good. All right. I'll see you guys on the next flip. And then he's just <laughs> trying to be so casual. Um, the guards stop him. Katara goes, you can't do this. You can't just detain us here. You have to let us leave. And this is my favorite part. <laughs> Me too. The king makes yet another <laughs> joke and says, yes, let us leave. And then eats a leaf of lettuce. I can't. Remark. I can't with him. Why is it so good? I don't remember this corny humor being so good, it's, but I was laughing so much. It's the exact same reason why dad jokes. These are all dad jokes. Why dad jokes are funny to us and not yeah. to, to us really old people, really like old boomy level in terms of age. Th- thanks, Greg. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm just really rubbing it in. <laughs> Versus like like a teenager or a small child who's just like you're not cool man like this is not funny it's just different humor and that kind of like so when we first watched this i think i said this in maybe the trailer episode um i related to more to Sokka than anyone else yeah and maybe a little bit of zuko towards the end but re-watching it i'm definitely more in the boomy iro kind of like headspace i feel like so their jokes they're or comedic stylings, what they're saying really more resonates now with me that I'm older and yeah, potentially right. wiser. I don't know. And you know what? That's, I'm going to take a second to like sidebar here about that and how, how nice it is to have a range in age yes. in characters yes. and how it's not, you know, pigeonholed into just a kid show with just kids. Right. And then the parents are like around. Yeah. Um, no, we get like fully fleshed out, robust interesting characters at an older age which again just makes this that much more enjoyable because you can come back to the show after years Mm -hmm. and still get get value from it Mm -hmm. yeah i found a lot of shows that have um stood the test of time have a good balance between not just like being about the kids or in terms of kids shows anyways not just being about the kids but also being about the parents a little bit uh, the fairly odd parents being kind of with that as well, because while it focuses mm. on Timmy Turner, it also focuses on his fairly odd parents and his parents itself. And there's a reason why I made that point is because the guard this is actually I was watching this and I'm like, that guard sounds super familiar. I thought it was Chris Parnell. It's not. Um, the guard is uh, Darren Norris, who you, he just got to this little like church. Like, he's the guard that is annoyed at the king. Essentially, uh, he voiced Cosmo. And the dad from Fairly Odd Parents. He also, if you watch Veronica Mars, uh, played the lawyer. Uh, what the heck is his name? It was like Cliff. No way. Yeah. Cliff McCormick from Veronica Mars. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I I thought it was Chris Parnell because I was like, oh, it's Dr. Spisemon. But no, it's it's uh, Cliff. So that, that was great. That's so good. When I saw that, I was like, yes. Like, that's a little like I love those little like whose voice is that? I know that from somewhere. And I did. I wasn't crazy about this the king then declares so back on track we got the the lettuce leaf (laughs) joke out of the way 
The king then declares that the Avatar shall face three deadly challenges the next day to win the freedom of himself and his friends. Uh, He then locks them in the recently refurbished chamber, which used to be called the Bad Chamber. I love this bit. They have this little, like, um, little comedy bit and the stylings of, like, who's on first kind of deal where it's like, wait, which one is this? Is this the good one or the bad one? No, no, it's the recently refurbished one. We used to call it the bad one. So which one are we talking about exactly Put them in the chamber that was formerly known as the bad chamber that is now currently known as the refurbished chamber. We should probably number these in the future. Yes, I was dying at that part. In the newly refurbished chamber, formerly known as the bad chamber, the gang remark how nice their jail cell is. And Aang begins to wonder about the deadly challenges that await him the next morning. Team Avatar try to form a plan of escape that involves Momo fitting through a small hole but Momo has been gorging on fruit and food this whole time and skinless chicken. So he's <laughs> he's just got a little tummy on him so he can't fit. Momo's living the life. He was, he was so happy. Poor Momo, he has to leave. Katara suggests that Aang rest up as he will need all of his energy for the challenges that await him. The next day, Aang wakes up and finds that Sokka and Katara are missing. The king holds them hostage and promises to return them once the challenges are completed. Aang threatens the king and demands he return his friends immediately, but the king brings forth Sokka and Katara and has rings of genomite placed on their fingers. Yeah, I liked this. Um, Do you remember as a kid, sometimes the implied danger was worse than actual danger? What do you mean? Because it's kind of creepy to put this this ring on your finger and have it implied that it's going to keep growing until you're consumed. Like as a kid, that can be kind of scary, but that was the kind of stuff that I liked as a kid because it creeped me out and it was something that kind of like lingered in my brain. As an adult, that's scary. Yeah. As an adult, it's not just as As an adult. Someone's like, here's this. So was the the game Hellblade where like you have this um, scar and as every time you die, it grows and grows and grows and grows up your arm until it like gets to your head and then you're permadeath. Oh wow, Hellblade anime or uh, no, game? no, the uh, the game Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, I think is what it's called. Oh, I haven't played that. Oh, it's super messed up. It's really, it's really, really good, but it's <laughs> it's very mature. Uh, it deals with um, uh, schizophrenia in almost like a primal time, almost. Oh it's not wow, primal, that's interesting. I can't remember. It's really cool. Anyways, besides the point, but it's very much like that. It's like you have this thing creeping up on you. So while you're trying to fight, it's also like, oh, that's also a factor. So yeah, like I see what you're saying with the the genomite it just slowly creeps up and consumes your entire body yeah that happens in princess mononoke too oh yeah um his uh demon mark yeah yeah Yeah, it's like the same deal so we learned that the genomite is also known as the creeping crystal because as we said before uh the crystal will grow up or creep until it covers the entire body we learned that only the king can undo this process so he's basically like you got to do these and then, like, you do these three challenges, I'll take off the, the creeping crystal, no problem. The creeping happens very quickly, and the king informs Aang that they will be covered by nightfall. For the safety of his friends, Aang agrees to undertake the king's challenges. For the first challenge, Aang must retrieve a key hanging from a chain within a powerful cascading waterfall. The force of the water is way too powerful for Aang to simply dive in or airbend or any of his normal tactics. So what he does, which is actually very ingenious is he kind of uses his environment. 
to help him out. So he gets mm-hmm. a um, stalagmite and literally just pierces the chain uh, that the key is on, aims it in a way that it goes right over uh, Boomy's head or the king's head. So Yeah, love it. I love like, I know this is all the point of all these challenges, but I love this one specifically because he really did have to think super outside the box in a environment or a situation where he normally wouldn't. The other, yes. the other two, I can finally like, I can kind of see like, he's like, yeah, I didn't expect this. Or like, you know, he figures it out a lot more quickly. But this one was like his biggest challenge, I think. Yeah. I also like the contrast between him having to be serious and solve this actually kind of deadly thing. And Boomy's over there like, can you please retrieve my key for my lunchbox? Because <laughs> yes, right. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just like the 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 difference between the casualness of Boomy versus just Ang's determination is very interesting. Yeah. Um, also, Boomy knows that Ang's not going to actually hurt him in any way, which is kind of a bold assumption considering he hasn't seen yeah. him for a hundred years, so he doesn't really know what Ang's been going through. So the second test, Ang must return the king's lost pet Flopsy. To him. Flopsy. Flopsy. So when you literally, I tell you something's name is Flopsy, you think of a cute bunny, right? Yep. I think that's just universal. Ang thinks the same thing. So he sees this cute bunny kind of in the middle of this, not like arena, but in the middle of this like area and starts to chase it, assuming that it's the king's pet. Uh, but a large goat gorilla bunny thing <laughs> appears yes, and begins to chase. Ang, which is also, I think this is the first notable hybrid animal that we've seen. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting because the penguin was visually hybrid, right. but called a penguin. Right. And then other than that, yeah, I think this is the first thing that we've we've seen besides the penguin that's an obvious hybrid. Uh, well, the penguin, too, wasn't like it looked different, but for me, it was, didn't like scream hybrid. Yeah, in the way that like um, a chimera would be yes. a hybrid. Yeah. It's just had it had like an extra um, arm or something. Yeah, it had like extra Flipper. wings or whatever. Yeah, flippers. Yeah, exactly. Where this is just like the body of a gorilla, the horns of a ram or a goat and bunny ears. And it was yeah, the size yeah. of a gorilla. So this is like the first for me anyways, I could be wrong, but the first notable just like chimera-esque uh, creature that we've seen. Mm-hmm. The rabbit escapes into a small hole in the wall. Uh, and as the monster closes in, Ang suddenly has an idea. He turns around and says, Flopsy, the monster instantly picks up Ang and snuggles him and so like just turns it as like like this melting just not melting literally melting but it's like snuggle bear melting like like just like they're all of a sudden snugs like the cutest love sponge yes yes thank you flopsy then returns to the king who rubs uh flopsy's belly and katara at this point just so everyone's kind of aware of the time katara and Sokka are almost completely encased in the crystal uh and ang demands the final challenge begin Mm -hmm. the final test is revealed to be a duel and as a special treat, Aang is allowed to choose his opponent. You have the first opponent who is kind of like a um, a murderous looking bandit or a rogue type. Yeah, like an assassin rogue or something. Yeah. The second one was a barbarian, this big barbarian dude, almost like out of Mad Max, almost just like steps yeah. out. He's not wearing a lot of clothes. It looks like he's got 
Uh, I think he has a giant axe as well. Both looking very wicked and yes, deadly. Just in their own way. Aang looks at the two fighters in front of him, which are on either side of the king, just as a visual. Points at the king and says, I want to fight you. The king kind of smirks and informs Aang that he chose poorly. And the, we see this almost transformation happen with King Boomy, where he stops slouching. He takes off his robe. And he's just like this ripped, still kind of slouched over older man. He's, he's like that older man that you see in like YouTube videos, which is like, I'm 60 years old and I'm in the best shape of my life. And he's like jacked. <laughs> if, if you watched, yes, if you watched uh, or saw the picture of J.K. Simmons when he was yeah. getting ripped to be Commissioner Gordon, of all people, for Batman or for Justice League. Yeah, there you go. It's literally that. And also something that's really kind of grossed me out. Uh, his armpit hair was green. Yep. So it was like yep. mossy mm. armpit mm. hair is what I read that I think as. it was the lighting, to be fair, because the palace had this really weird lime green lighting yeah. everywhere, which I didn't understand. No. But yeah, very prominent, spiky <laughs> armpit hair, which was <laughs> so like, oh, okay. Um, also, yes. this is a, this is for you, Greg. Yes. Um, I was reading that Boomy's transformation from that seemingly feeble old man to a powerful fighter is similar to the transformation master Roshi from Dragon Ball went through during the Kamehameha wave. Yes. Yeah. I remember that one. I thought of that too. That like, there's a lot of parallels between Boomy and Roshi. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, where was I? I have to be better at finding my place after I go on rants. Um, if you click on the cell, it'll highlight it. I know. I have to actually just do that instead of just going off. Yeah. The king launches Aang off of the balcony, overlooking the arena using earthbending. The king claims he is the most powerful earthbender Aang will ever see. Aang realizes his mistake and asks if he can fight the guy with the axe instead. <laughs> but it is too late as there are no take backsies in the kingdom of Amashu. What if that's like a law? <laughs> if that's not a law, it has to be a law. Like I can yeah. just see him just being like, oh, the law states... Uh, or King Boomy with that guard. He's just yes. like, write this down. Law number 4,502. No take backsies. <laughs> In the kingdom of Amash. The guard's like, uh. The king has Aang's staff return to him, uh, and the battle begins, and he even says something like, you might even need this. Yeah. It's almost like a, like, there's two ways to look at it. It's almost like a uh, helping hand. If you think about like in hindsight, but it's also like a taunt to be like, oh, you can have this back. I'll beat you anyways. Mm-hmm. The king immediately launches several boulders at Aang, which the Avatar dodges. But the king taunts him for such a predictable airbender tactic. I kind of felt like that was a bit of a foreshadowing because airbenders are monks who mm-hmm. are pacifists mm-hmm. who use the the style of bending to um, evade and to flow around their opponent. Mm-hmm. And so Boomy actually said like, Okay, you can keep evading, but at some point you gotta respond. You gotta attack. Yeah. And so I feel like it's kind of a combination of Boomy inadvertently teaching Aang a really important lesson that eventually you have to strike. You have to make a decision and make a move. Um, but also it's a bit of a foreshadowing to how Aang has to change his perspective when it comes to learning other styles and other bending. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's a good point. I, I wasn't even thinking about that. I thought it was just like, He's just being a clown and just being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just going to evade all day. I know how this is going to go. That's a yeah. yeah. That's, wow. And that's I, th- I feel like that's also kind of layered into his uh, mad genius 
quality yes. because he's teaching Aang these really important lessons under the guise of like making him go through these just crazy challenges. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he even has that one line. I, I just like I take snippets of lines that I love. So he has like the other bad joke where it's just like, did someone leave the windows open? It feels a little drafty in here. Are you hoping I'll catch cold? Yeah. So bad. Yeah, that part in particular was interesting because it was like an impressive gust of airbending yes. and a really impressive like rock wall of earthbending. Yes. Like if it had hit Boomy, he would have been hurt, like mm-hmm. knocked back into the wall or something. But both of them uh, portray these really strong bending moves. And then he makes this like corny kitty joke. <laughs> it's like it's almost unsettling, I guess. I, I think it's honestly a defense mechanism for him as well. Is if I were yeah. to really like look into it, I, he used his humor as a way to throw his opponents off. But I think it's also a comfort to him because I'm, I'm assuming it also makes him think back to like when he was a kid. So uh, eventually Aang begins to counter the king with tremendous effort. The king tears a chunk of earth out of the ground and part of the Colosseum, too, is like that um, that balcony they were on and holds it over his head. Aang then begins to run in circles, airbending a tornado, which is super genius, although I've seen it a million hundred thousand bajillion times on The Flash, but still (laughs) super smart for Aang to figure out. It was 2005. Avatar did it first. Mm, No, they didn't. The Flash did do that for a very, 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 very long time. But in animated form or comics? Animated, which is in Justice League, he did that. And in the comics, too. Yeah. You can't just discount something because it's in the comics. I'm I'm a very big stickler for that. Anyways, the king throws the massive mound, uh, but the tornado redirects it back at him. Um, Boomy cuts it in two, but Aang appears out of the dust and pins the king with his staff. Yeah. Again, like crazy bending. He threw this giant like balcony at Aang. It gets ricocheted back at him. And then all he does is like puts his hands together and parts it into dust yes. as it hits him. Like, oh, he's a bending beast. Mm-hmm. And then um, when Aang kind of like jumping through the middle of it to pin Boomy down is yeah. still very like Dragon Ballish for me in terms of a fight. Like, I feel like they've done that before yep. where they throw like the spirit bomb at them or whatever spirit ball. Then they just kind of like have a counter attack on the other side. Yeah. So I, move. Yeah, I really like that. The king concedes defeat, but before releasing his friends, requires the Avatar to figure out one last challenge. He asks, what's my name? I love how Katara helps here. She like walks Aang through it. Yeah. Just like jumps right in. Okay, what do we know? What'd you learn? (laughs) (laughs) As like the creeping crystal is still like growing. And then like up the side of her head. Yeah. And then Sokka's like, I know his name. It's Rocky because there's rocks everywhere. (laughs) And I, that may be my favorite part in the whole thing. Yeah. He's an earthbender, right? Rocky, you know, <laughs> because of all the rocks. And I, the guitar is like, we're going to keep trying, but that is a good backup. <laughs> Just like Mae Whitman's delivery of that line, too, was <laughs> so perfect. I loved. Oh, man, that, that every time I rewatched this, that cracked me up with the same yes. level of enthusiasm. It makes me laugh every time yes. because it's like it's almost like um like a best friend or mom moment. Like, yeah. good job. We're going to come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad idea. Yeah. But we're going to move on. Aang realizes who the king is after kind of like thinking about the points of all the challenges. And the point is 
uh, things are not as they seem. You have to think about things differently. So keeping that in mind, he calls out his old childhood friend's name, Boomy, the mad genius. The two embrace and Boomy declares Aang has not changed a bit, literally, because he's also still 12 years old. And that's probably the last time that Boomy saw him. Yeah, that got me. Yeah. That hug. Yeah. How heartwarming for two old, old friends to embrace, even though one of them is like a grandfather and the other still looks like a kid. How weird you know? must that be? It must be so weird. Like, well, I don't know. It's I guess it for Boomy, it would almost be like Aang, his childhood friend was uh, frozen, huh, so to speak, <laughs> in time, because I mean, it's not like Aang has been living and experiencing this whole time he right. literally did freeze in place so right. it's not even like they're on the same level of experience boomy has lived a hundred years and ang has not so i think it'd be maybe weirder for boomy i think it would be weirder for ang so like for me just like when i'm talking to my friends or being clowns or like palling around or whatever like we're all on various degrees but more or less the same experience the same level mm-hmm. of wisdom let's call it so to speak so now Aang, who is the same age technically as Boomy, and they used to be like almost equals. Like I would assume that Boomy was probably pretty close to an equal in earthbending as Aang was to airbending. Maybe a little far, a little bit below because he wasn't like, you know, made a master so early in life, but he's become one since then. So now with the wisdom that Boomy can impart. Ang doesn't think this way because he's angry. He's a much better person than I am. But I might just be like, we're the same age, dude. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> See, I think it would be weirder for Boomy because Boomy has lived a lifetime and he's almost like seeing a walking memory in front yeah. of him. So it might be weirder for him to look at Ang, who looks exactly the same and almost like remember a quote unquote better time. Mm hmm when you were a young man kind of thing mm-hmm. to take a little bit from inception. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, Oh, by the way, the, the King does kind of release Sokka and, and Katara from the creeping crystal uh, at this part. I thought that was interesting. I don't know if that's a boomy thing, being able to bend Genomite. I think it was a or... bluff. I think it was a bluff. I think because okay. he's, he's told him, he's like, I'm the only one who can undo this. Yeah. And he but like, I wonder if other earthbenders can bend genomite. I don't know. Because it's a crystal. It's not rock or earth. Yeah. It's like a byproduct almost. Maybe. I don't uh, think we see that again, do we? I don't. Not that I can remember, but I think we'll just have to like keep an eye out if it happens again. Yeah. Let's bookmark that. Because it's not even really a crystal, though. It's candy. Because he when he breaks it off, he says, oh, this is just rock candy. And then eats it. He, He calls it the creeping crystal. Yeah. And then tells him that he's the only one that, you know, like undo it or take it off because he knows that it's Aang at this point and he knows that Aang cannot earthbend yet. Yeah. So there's no way for him to verify one way or the other. So I think it's yeah, a boomy misdirect. That's how I read it as. Hmm. But I could yeah, be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Because of some things that happen in this in this show, I'm like, is that a special ability or? Because <laughs> they exist in many yeah, different yeah. forms. It might be. It might be. Yeah, so the gen- the genomite is rock candy, and Boomy just eats it like right off the ground. He's like, "Oh, it's just gross. delicious." Yeah, I mean, it's five the, second rule. It's not the gross thing he's done or has on him. Still yeah. thinking about that green armpit hair. <laughs> <laughs> Unsettling. <laughs> 
Sokka and Katara questioned Boomy on why the challenges were necessary when Boomy could have just revealed that, you know, who he was, his identity to, to Aang. Boomy retorts that it's pretty fun messing with people, but then he takes a more serious tone and explains that as the Avatar, Aang has a difficult task ahead of him and he has to restore balance to the world by defeating Fire Lord Ozai. He states Aang still has a lot to learn. And Boomy hopes that when he does, he will think like a mad genius. So this whole thing was a test to make sure that Aang could think outside the box because yeah. he knows he's going to need that to defeat the Fire Lord. Yeah, which is why while other masters in the show will take a more uh, involved role in yeah. Aang's life, teaching him bending, I think this was so necessary because this was almost like mental training yes. from Boomy yes. to Aang. Yeah, which Aang wouldn't seek out wouldn't even think to seek something like that out by himself right because he's like it yeah, well the whole point of the show right now for us is he has to go learn all the different uh bending styles so he can end this 100 year war and you know be the best avatar that he could possibly be <laughs> yeah you know you're the avatar yep. you got to restore a balance in the whole world <laughs> defeat uh the fire lord yep. and you got to learn and master four elements no biggie. Yeah, that's it. So like this is just a nice little way. Again, Boomy thinking outside the box to teach Aang kind of what he's learned and what he knows as a king of the city of Amashu. Yeah. And doing it again in a very out of the box way, which is amazing. Aang thanks Boomy and offers his old friend a challenge of his own. And I love this. This like warmed my heart yeah. so much. The two of them go sliding down the Omashu delivery system. Or, what did I call it before? The world's biggest super slide. Yeah. Almost the exact same way that they did a century prior, which ends the only way it could, crashing into the cabbage merchant's cart, just like Team Avatar did before. By the for way... For the third time. For the third time. By the way, a quick aside, um, the voice actor for the cabbage merchant remains consistent in Takora. <gasps> no way. His name is James C., that's amazing. Or Psy, S-I-E. Also, listeners, spoiler, that is not the last time we're going to see the Cabbage Merchant. Nope. It's great. I love, I th these are the small things that I love in a well-crafted show. Yes. Where nothing is wasted. So they have this like throwaway gag character that ends up being a larger part of the story later on. Yeah. It's, it's like you said in episode one, the intentional bonks. Yes. Everything has a purpose. Yes. I love it when that happens. I hate it when the opposite happens, like in Lost, but we won't go into that. But yeah. still, like everything builds. It has a purpose. You feel like you're paying attention and you get a payoff. Do you have a note about this episode? We have a we have a couple firsts here. Mm -hmm. It's the first episode where Zuko and Iroh do not appear. Oh, I didn't even it's, think about that. Yeah. Our favorite Fire Lord Prince and his wise uncle do not make an appearance in this episode. It's the first time we hear the Fire Lord's name mentioned, Ozai. Ooh. So officially he has been named. He wasn't named before with Zhao? Uh, no, I think he's just referred to the Fire Lord, oh, referred to as the Fire Lord. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then it's the first time that the Cabbage Merchant makes an appearance. Another, another great character. All right. So our next segment is going to be very obvious. As everyone knows, we like to kind of think of what the moral of the episode is. Uh, usually they're not so heavy handed, I feel like, at least thus far. <laughs> um, 
So Acorn, what did you think the moral of the episode was? I, I think it's pretty obvious, Greg. I think uh, Boomy really hammered it in there. Yeah. Think outside the box. Oh, really? I thought it was just, if you can make a pun in your life, please do so. Dad jokes are the epitome of humor. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it's just, <laughs> you have a 112-year-old king, very wise, very powerful. He's making dad jokes. Obvious, obviously, they're the superior of all jokes. Yes, Obviously, you know, if things just get better over time, then a uh, hundred plus year old character cracking dad jokes. Mm -hmm. I mean, he should know. He should know. He's done them all and he sticks with this. You got to stick with what works. Who's the MVP for you of the episode? I got to say Boomy. Yeah. I feel like to your point last time, um, the episode kind of sets him up as being the MVP because he taught Aang without any bending lessons. Uh, he has a great fashion sense, yep. obviously. Like that one purple getup. I, I mean, l- come on. I didn't even mention that. He's just like, what do you think of my, my the first challenge? What do you think of my new coat or my new robe? And he's like, it's fine. Is that really a challenge? Yes, but not the deadly challenges <laughs> that I was referring to. Yes. Boomy also has the uncanny ability to think outside the box, as we saw in multiple ways. His brain is open. His brain is an open window to possibility. Um, And plus, he's the self-proclaimed strongest earthbender in the world. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what else says MVP. Oh, I do. Than that. I do. Oh, let's hear it. Who's your MVP? The unnamed guard that had to listen to every single one of Boomy's jokes (laughs) in the background. (laughs) That's the real, I think that's the real hero of this, of this story. (laughs) The guy who sits back there and has to deal with this is job and it's like a kingdom. So I don't know if he can quit it or not. He just has to deal with it. Yeah. Oh my God. Bless him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And I think that's, that's just all the time that we have for this episode of Avatar, the podcast. Uh, Remember, you can always email us directly if you want to let us know uh, who your MVP is or what moral you took out of the story. uh, You can do so at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at podcast avatar. You can also find us on YouTube and just by searching for avatar the podcast. And as always, we both really appreciate you taking the time to join in in on our discussion. Remember to tune in next week when we answer these important questions. Can a lemur earthbend? And anyone can earthbend with these five simple household items. All of this and more next time on Avatar, the podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. 